I tell you what, Tory Pines doing what Tory Pines does, making a lot of these the best in the world uh, look like it, they're playing uh, uh, you know one of the toughest courses in the land. Tory Pines down there in San Diego, the the site of this year's 121st U.S. Open. As the leader, Bryson DeChambeau, just misses his par putt, so he takes a bogey, drops to four under. Louis Oosthuizen, uh, your leader, through nine at the U.S. Open, and and I gotta I gotta tell you, I mean, you, you look at the leaderboard now. Oosthuizen sits atop at five under. DeChambeau just drops one; he goes down to four under. He joins one, two, three, four, five others. Five other players at four under through anywhere between nine and 15. And you look at who's on this board, DeShambo and Ustazen, as we mentioned, Kepka, Morikawa, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy. I mean, these are some of the biggest names in golf, and they're right in the middle of this thing. So Mackenzie Hughes is there as well. He's sitting at four under. Plus one on the day. And Ustazen just birdied, so he's now at six under. So six under takes a two-shot lead over Bryson and everybody else who I just mentioned. So uh, you, you just look at where this where this thing is going to land. You, this winning score could be as low as seven, maybe eight. But this course is incredibly challenging today. Some of the pin placements have been relatively forgiving especially on a couple par threes but they are making it very difficult on these guys it's been an incredibly fun watch we were talking uh our good friends over at spin on golf coming your way at seven o'clock tonight but we were talking to bc before the show and and he was talking about the coverage that nbc's putting out there and it's brutal i mean you're getting five minutes of golf you're getting to five minutes of spots five minutes of golf five minutes of commercials it's 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 kind of killing the ebb and flow of one of the great uh, uh you know one of the great tournaments on tour but nonetheless these guys are putting it out there and, and the scores you may anticipate for a for a tournament to be a little lower they're 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 really low for this course the Tory Pines is not making it easy on these guys it's been a fun watch uh, but, but Mackenzie Hughes has put a really nice push in this week. Uh, Colin Morikawa, I, I, my, my guess is his press conference after his round is over is going to be, I left a lot out there because he put himself into some really nice positions today to where he missed some incredibly makeable birdie putts. And so I know he's kicking himself, but Rory McIlroy's been been playing really well this week. He's one under for the day. John Rahm, two under for the day. So we'll keep you up to date on everything going on uh, uh, down in San Diego. But it's been it's been a fun watch. So if you uh, if you if you have the opportunity, keep it locked in here to WJR. We'll let you know what's going on uh, throughout the course of the show. And I know the Spin on Golf folks will uh, will keep you abreast on, on everything going on too. The other thing that was really exciting last night. Game seven, Nets, Bucks in Brooklyn. Uh, and and unfortunately, I didn't get to watch m- watch most of it because uh, young Jake's birthday party was yesterday. 
turns three today. Wow. Happy birthday, Jake. Yeah. So I had to share my father's day with his, his third birthday. So thanks a lot. <laughs> um, so we were doing birthday stuff and kid stuff, but, uh, went back and watched it. I mean, what a game, what a game in the association. I mean, y- you talk about the haymakers back and forth in a game seven, everything you want. Brooklyn with with three premier players on that team. And Milwaukee just found a way to get it done. Despite uh some wild shots at the towards the end of the game, the last couple of minutes of that game. James Harden with a with a with a just a wild three-pointer off the glass from the from the uh, the bend in the arc, put it in. And then in terms of like spectacular, some of the most spectacular shots you'll ever see was Kevin Durant's uh, with a second left near the three-point line, turn around, step back, and then stuffed it. I know he was a little upset. He thought it was a three-pointer. It wasn't. But it was an absolutely wild shot, and it just spoke to what that, series was but but in a microcosm what that game seven was nick i know you were dialed in it was a fantastic game yeah i was driving back from uh we had our own basketball team camp at grand valley and so i'm driving back with all the varsity basketball players and they're all tuned in we're watching it and kevin durant's one of the best shot makers i've ever seen yeah play basketball and his shot to tie it you could tell as soon as it went in he knew his foot was on the line yeah. And he was just upset at himself. He goes, I right. mean, th- that should have been a three. And and right. he messed up. Cause he had, I think he had the time and he definitely had the space to get a three pointer off. Cause he, his foot was two inches on the line. Right. But it was just a wild finish. And kudos to the Bucks, who I didn't think had it in him. I mean, they played Chris Middleton and Giannis just about every second of that game. And yeah, Drew Holiday. Yeah, Drew, uh, Drew Holiday was awful to start. Yeah, he was. I think at one point two for fifteen. Yeah, and he had like eight straight points in the fourth quarter to make a huge run. Yeah. So kudos. I, I didn't think the Bucks could get it done. They did. They'll play the winner of tonight's game seven, Seventy uh, Sixers Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. So it'll be fun. Look, I've been a. I, I love basketball. Um, but I, I think the the NBA product over the last couple of years has gotten a bit stale. Uh, I, I just don't. And 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 look, I I don't really like the way referees are calling the game. I don't really like the way that that a lot of these guys take an approach to the game anymore. Um, I also, you know, for me, my heyday, you know, uh, like I, I'm a going to work Piston fan. And and just the way that that team played, and and it, it was indicative of the era to a certain extent. It was, it was. I mean, you're coming out of a, a time in the you know '90s, late '80s, where it was a it was a physical game inside, and so uh, the way that the game is played now is, is hasn't always been my forte. These playoffs have been fantastic. I mean, they've been physical. They've been there's been a ton of offense. Um, but, but you're, but like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Nick, when we were up at crystal mountain, uh, 
you're getting a fresh group of teams in the mix here. You're getting a fresh set of players in the mix. Yeah. And that to me is compelling. Yeah. I also think I didn't really like the super teams. I think it actually does help the playoffs because these teams all have not just one or two great players. I mean, you look, look at the nets, Durant, Harden, Kyrie, Blake Griffin played Blake extremely Griffin. well for them. Yes, he did. I mean, Chris Paul added with Devin Booker with the Suns. I mean, yep. instead of just having kind of one guy as the uh, focal point of the team, everyone can score, defend. It, it, it's a, I think it's a great product in the playoffs. It doesn't really make for an interesting regular season, I don't think, but the playoffs have been awesome. Well, I'll disagree with you a little bit. I, I hate the super teams. I hate guys going to other teams to, to, to become a winner. And, and, and I know I got to take a break, but for me, I love when the super team loses. I love it because you look at yeah, what but the now there's done. so many super teams. Someone's bound well, to win. I know ah, fair enough. Fair enough. But I just, to me, I love when those teams lose because I like when Giannis is homegrown. I like when Chris Middleton's homegrown and you go and, and oh, get a Chris guy. Middleton was a piston at first. Yeah. Oh, that's true. He was. And drew Middleton is a, another guy who is is not a superstar in this league, but a good playmaker and, yeah. and helps facilitate I mean, the I, other I guys around him. I don't think the Suns are exactly a super team because Chris Paul went to them no. so late in his career, but I, I, that's sure. what I like. I mean, if if they don't have Chris Paul, they're not nearly as good, obviously, but no. But I mean, that's the, what that, helps make the playoffs, and they won today without him. Yeah, no doubt. All right, more to come here on Sports Wrap this evening. We got a lot to do. We're going to talk to the winner of the Michigan Open, and if you don't know that story, what a golf tournament. What a finish to the end of the Michigan Open. We'll talk about that a little later on. We'll talk about the Pitts. Speaking of basketball, NBA draft lottery coming up. We'll talk about that. And what are your best, what are your favorite golf resorts here in the state of Michigan? I got thoughts. Nick has thoughts. We'll talk about that. On the other side, Sports Rep continues here on WJR. All right, I want to say one other thing about our last conversation about the super groups in the NBA, and then we'll give you a, an update of what's going on. Uh, out in uh, San Diego and at Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open. Somebody's in a tree. We'll talk about it. Uh, you look at some of the great players in history, some of the great shooters, um, uh, you know, Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley has come out and, and talked about this. But I, somebody, I, I read a story one time where somebody asked Reggie Miller if he would have joined the, the, the Bulls to play with Michael Jordan. And, and it was, it, it, and it, he said things that we can't say or, or play for you here on, on the radio, but it, it was a, it was a resounding, absolutely not. Now, again, you bring Chris Paul into a situation where you've drafted some of your young talent. Devin Booker was his home grown. I got no problem with that. But when you start acquiring superstars, uh, you know, at a, at a clip, at a higher clip than most other teams can or will. That's where I ha mostly have an issue with it. Like, like, like LeBron going to Miami to join Dwayne Wade and then bring in Chris Bosch hated it. So that, that again, I understand you got to have some of these players on your team. You got to have, you got to have stars in the NBA to win games, to win championships. But that I it, to me, it's always been a rough spot for me with the NBA. All right, so Mackenzie Hughes, four under. Uh, he's tied with Morikawa, DeChambeau, Rahm, and McElroy. 
Uh, Louis Oosthuizen leads the pack at six under. Mackenzie Hughes at a par three. I think he's on the 10. Uh, pulls his tee shot, five iron, 213 to the left. Takes a huge hop, I believe, off the cart path. And he is up in the tree. All right, hold on. Check that. It never came down. It goes into the tree well left of the green. I mean, you're behind the 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 crowd and the uh and the line of people so he is up in a tree the ball is stuck in between all these twigs and branches so he's gonna have to drop louis oosthuizen's on the 11th uh and he's chipping up to the green as well he's 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 got some work to do on that but look this is not over i mean we we are you're talking about a situation here where a lot of these guys are going to be in contention here so we'll keep you up to date on everything that's going on. Yeah. So uh, Bryson just bogeyed. So uh, he's now at three under. Um, okay. Louis Ustase is at six. Rom and Hughes are at four. So wouldn't it be great if Rom, after oh. he DQ'd from the Memorial oh. a couple weeks ago, came back to after, win this? After he after he was going to win that thing. Yeah. He was up by away. six strokes. Going. I would love to see Louis Ustase win another one too. I mean, he won a he won. A British Open in 2010. He has five second place major finishes, and then a third major, uh, oh. third place major finish too. So it's just a guy who just hasn't been able to close it out. He's always, you know, not always, but he's often in the mix. Yep. In a lot of these situations, uh, Louis Oosthuizen is a, is a terrific player. So we'll see if he can hold on to it. He's at six under. Um. All right. So now. Uh, just watching the U.S. Open, watching how Torrey Pines plays and and how these guys are traversing a lot of these courses. Um, you know, every year we go on the Pier Michigan Golf Tour. We got off the Pier Michigan Golf Tour this year. We're into a couple fantastic places, and it's a it's a testimony. To, it's a it's a testament to the fantastic not only courses that we have in the state, but the resorts that we have in the state, and um there was a piece put out. I think it was Carlos Monroe's put it out, Nick over at the free. And he talked, he, he kind of highlighted his top 10 resort golf destinations in the state of Michigan. And I don't think we're going to break the wheel here, but I, I wanted to have some fun with it and, and kind of pick your brain too, Nick, because I've certainly got my list of kind of my top list of courses, or at least resorts that, heavily feature golf in the state of Michigan. And, and for me, I don't know that it gets much better than Boyne. Boyne Highlands, the golf that they have there, the courses that they have there, the Heather, the Ross, we just played the more. Uh, it's a fan, it's a fantastic facility. They've got X. I mean, in terms of learning the game of golf, if, if you're not very good, go up there, get some lessons. I mean, they've got this gears program where they've got cameras, they've got sensors. They'll fix your 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 what you deem to be your biggest issues on the golf course. I mean, it's a one stop shop. I mean, look, I, if anybody <laughs> should should utilize those, it's probably me. Uh, but it's a fantastic facility, and you've got really, in my mind, some of the best courses in the state of Michigan. So for me, Boyne is on my list. What's one of your uh, yeah, resort Grand courses? Grand Traverse Resort? Yeah, 
is up there. I mean, uh, we're going to talk about it later with the Michigan Open winner and, and Brian Cairns, who just played it last week. Uh, the three courses they have there are phenomenal, spe- specifically the Bear. Oh, that's, a, that's it, a Jack Nicholas course. Fantastic. It's a fantastic yeah. course. And fantastic amenities, too. I mean, we stayed, I stayed in a condo there with some friends last year. Condos are beautiful. It's very clean. It's easy to get around Grand Traverse Resort. It's not like it's yeah. sprawled out, out over a big area. It, uh, it's up there for me. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, that's a good choice too. The other one, another one for me, and, and we're just kind of giving, giving you a, a couple here, but for me, another fantastic, uh, resort, fantastic courses is treetops in Gaylord. I mean, Gaylord has a, has a number of mm-hmm. just wow kind of courses. Um, and, and, and they're all kind of within the gay, they call it the Gaylord golf Mecca. And they've got web, they got a website. You can go and just pick your, your pick amongst all of the, the, the courses in the Gaylord area. Um, but treetops is fantastic. I mean, it's, it's always, um, it, it's always in, first of all, it's always in great shape. And, um, we played the Fazio, uh, you know, a week ago or whatever. And it is, you know, it's a tough course, um, but it's fair. And, and it, when you make, when you, when you, when you make a really good shot, you feel really good about yourself. And then when you hit a, a, a shot, like, like my, uh, what do I call it? The power fade mm-hmm. eh, slice, but a power fade, when you hit that, it, it can be disheartening, but it's a, it's, they're challenging courses, but they're fair. And for me, treetops is, is in, is, is always on my list. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking through Carlos Monrez's list. Number one, he has Boyne which you mentioned number two, Arcadia bluffs. I haven't had the opportunity to play Arcadia um, three. He has forest dunes and Ross common. I have not played there mm-hmm. uh, Four, he has treetops. Uh, yep. What you just mentioned five, he has grand Traverse resort yep. uh, six. He has crystal mountain where we, where we kicked off with sports Wrap a couple weeks ago. And yeah. And, and crystal mountains on my list too. Yeah. That, that, that has now it's been put on my list because of, again, you talk about the resort, it feel you got it, but, but the courses, the, the, the mountain Ridge course is a fantastic golf course mm-hmm. and the Betsy Valley course is also fantastic. Uh, they're, they're working on that, doing some upkeep and some, some shrubbery removal. Uh, but that's a fantastic course too. So for me, crystal mountain has made my list now. Yeah. He has uh Shaney Creek at seven, which I'll be going to next month actually. And another course that I didn't even think of was Agaming, which is kind of right off Torch Lake where yes. I played a few years ago. Agaming was a, has terrific views up north, so I, I would put Agaming up there. Also, one last one for me. It's not a resort, uh, but Eagle Eye. Eagle Eye and Hawk Hollow up oh. in Lansing area are just some, some phenomenal golf courses. Eagle Eye is, 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 is like my sneaky favorite course. I love, love that course. It's, it's fantastic. Another great course, uh, is actually out not far from me. Moose Ridge. If you've never played Moose Ridge, ah, just a fantastic course. Although if you play it like me, you've really got no business being out there, but it's a fantastic course. Um, all right. Uh, I believe Louis Oosthuizen just bogeyed the 10th. So he's one back now. 11th. Five under. Oh, excuse me. The 11th. Yep. Uh, so he's back to five under. So we'll keep you up to date on everything going on there. All right. Coming up on the other side, we talked about the NBA playoffs a little bit. 
it would be so nice to get the Pistons in the mix. A lot is riding on the draft lottery coming up this week. We'll talk about the Pistons' chances to landing the number one or at least in that top three because those three players at the top could be the difference between a playoff appearance and then not even making it to the dance. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, sports are up here on WJR. More next. Welcome back. Oh, boy, a rough hole there for Rory McIlroy. Double bogey, and that'll set him back. So things are starting to uh, sort themselves out a little bit uh, in San Diego at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. We'll keep you up to date on that. It, you know, here's what here's one thing that I know for sure, and there's one thing that I I believe in very strongly when it comes to when it comes to improving your team, when it comes to improving your organization, your franchise. If you're not at a place to win and and make a postseason run, if you're kind of spinning your wheels and and you're you're just not at the point where you're going to be able to do much of note, I'm a huge proponent of teams quote unquote tanking. Because look, you got to give yourselves an opportunity to get better. If you if you're if you're financially strapped, you got to figure out a way to get better. If you're if you don't have the talent to compete with other teams, you got to find a way to get better. And if you're and if you're you're like the Pistons over you know the last several years, they're just spinning their wheels. Well, that's not the case with what the Pistons have been doing over the last year, this last season. They put in some good work because they did tank, but they tanked in the best way possible. They had their young players. They had their young players play. They had their young players take some lumps, but they got better. And when you have the opportunity to put you know, some of these rookies that are making these all-rookie teams for the Pistons, Isaiah Stewart's one of them. I mean, that is a good sign. And when you when you t- when you tank the right way, you put yourself in the position, in the exact position that the Pistons are in now. Because you've got the draft lottery coming up on Tuesday. And the Pistons have the best shot to land the number one pick along with the Houston Rockets and Orlando magic. They all have a 14% chance of landing the number one pick. They got a 52% chance of landing in the top four. Now for the Pistons, it's pretty important to land in the top three. You got to get in the top three. Yeah. You got Oki States, Kate Cunningham. He's going to go number one. Then you've got some combination of USC's Evan Mobley and Gonzaga's Jalen Sucks. Those are going to be the first three players off the board. And so for the Pistons, those players, I mean, if, if they can land the number one pick, this thing is fast-tracked. I mean, this team is going to start winning. They're going to start winning games. They're going to start putting themselves in position not only to make the playoffs, but be not just the eight seed, not just to be the sacrificial lamb. They're going to be in a position that they're going to make a push. 
And, and certainly the same can be said in some capacity for Mobley and Suggs as well. So for me, it's not just tanking. It's tanking in the right way. And the Pistons did it this year. It was magical. Because they got a lot of their young guys, the, the future of this organization, they got them playing time. They got them to a point where they're going to be productive players on this team. And, and whether or not they all stick around, whether or not you move them for more capital, all of that is available. But you're going to give yourself an opportunity to win meaningful games. And for a Pistons fan, that's all you can ask for. So what better luck than to have Ben Wallace representing you at the NBA draft lottery on Tuesday, oh. future hall of famer. So is the Pistons it have, yeah, it's Ben Wallace. The Pistons okay. have never moved up in the draft lottery. They've moved down in the draft lottery, uh, six times since they've been in the lottery format. Mm. Mm. They've never gotten a good luck and um, neither are the Red Wings for that matter. But yeah, you're right. This is important to not even if they don't move up just to stay pat. Top three is so important. You mentioned Isaiah Stewart, second team, all rookie. Sadiq Bey, their second first round pick last year was first team, all rookie. Yep. So you pair him with Jeremy Grant. Hopefully Killian Hayes has a nice sophomore season. I like the future of the Pistons, but yeah, they, they can't move back because there's a definite top three and there's a definite top five after the top three. But I think once you get to six, it really drops off. And the, the, the furthest they can fall in the lottery on Tuesday is sixth. And see, for me, I think, I think the job Troy Weaver has done in, in shedding a lot of these contracts and, 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 and whether or not he could find a, a, a buyer for Blake Griffin didn't matter. Wave him. I mean, at some point, you, you got to make room for what you imagine your future to be. And so I think with the shrewd moves of Troy Weaver, and I think with the, with, with the, co- the, the coaching job that's been done, I think it's all, I think this is all in a positive direction for the Pistons. And look, uh, as somebody who hates a, a lottery format, I, I hate it especially when you talk about the Red Wings. No luck for the Red Wings in the lottery. Zero. So for me, it, it just feels like it's time. It's got to be time. Pull the ping pong ball with the with the horse head on it. Let's do this thing. I'm so... I'm so re- because look, again, look at these... Look at our four major sports teams in this city. Who's ready? Who's close? It's the Pistons. They're close right now. So look, I urge you, I urge you, please, for all that is good and holy, if you are a Pistons, if you're a Detroit sports fan, keep your eyes on to Tuesday. Because what's happening within that organization, something good is brewing here. I'm telling you. It just feels like this thing is going in the right direction. You look at what's going on with the Tigers. They're struggling. Playing better baseball of late, but where is the where where is this thing going? We're starting to see some of these younger players move up in the minor league system. We're starting to see some of these guys pan through a la Casey Mize. But but where the Red Wings are at, they're on the upward trajectory too, but they're not there yet. Not there yet. And the Lions, they're, they're going to be in a full rebuild here for the next couple seasons. 
And, and believe me, I hope more than anybody else that Dan Campbell is the guy for the job because he certainly seems like it. But the Pistons at this moment, at 641 on Father's Day, this, this team is ready. So I, I urge you, keep your eyes on Tuesday because this, this Pistons organization could take a, a sharp turn in a positive direction if they can land in that top three. Am I overselling this, Nick? I, I'm really excited about this. I, it feels like it feels like this is this just feels like the time that Detroit's going to catch a break and that it's going to really benefit this team. Yeah, I mean, I don't think how much of I don't know how much of a difference it'll make on the team. Does this team go from? I mean, they finished in second and last place. So sure. with with Cunningham or Suggs, does it make you a playoff team? Maybe. I mean, but you still need another guy after that. So. Yeah, you're, you're, I, I think you're still, you're not just one pick away. No, no, but you're going to, and you're going to need some depth. You're going to need a bench. You're going to need some guys that are going to come in and, and, and score some points too. But I just mean in, in terms of fast tracking this thing, in terms of putting this thing into overdrive. Yeah. They've already fast tracked it by tanking. They, they are. And well, it, that's exactly my point. So if things fall in the Pistons favor, this is going to be really cool. This is going to be. Uh, a really good thing for this organization, in my opinion. So keep your eyes on Tuesday, draft lottery in the NBA coming up. All right, coming up next, very exciting. And if you're a Spartan fan, I know Nick is is over the moon with this. A 20-year-old goes out and in a playoff wins the Michigan Open. And by the way, by the way, my man's not even a junior. So I'll tell you all about Bradley Smithson coming up next here on Sports Wrap. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, more on the other side here on WJR. Uh, we got a good one going on out in San Diego at Torrey Pines, U.S. Open. Louis Oosthuizen continues to lead the pack at five under. But I got to tell you, in terms of in terms of excellent tournament play, in terms of really good golf being played, look no further than the Michigan Open. And I got to be honest, it was a an absolute wild finish up at the Bear uh, on Thursday. You're talking about not only the ninth time an amateur has won the state golf championship, just the third time since 1975, but the young man who did it is 20 years old. And he's not even a junior yet on the banks of the Red Cedar at Michigan State. I mean, the, the, the guts, the composure that Bradley Smithson had to win the Michigan Open on Thursday at the Bear at Grand Traverse Resort and Spa, who, which we talked about just a bit ago, is fantastic. I, I want to try to set the scene for you here, okay? Smithson led after round one by one stroke, led by five after day two, led by one after day three. And then it was a buckle up for a bumpy ride because it was a wild finish in the final round. Made two eagles on the front nine uh, on, on day four. Also recorded a double bogey. But then he had a one-shot lead over Patrick Wilkes-Crier, who's a former Michigan golf assistant coach. And he made, after making birdie on the par 515. And, and, I, and that's as far as I want to go because I, I want to have uh, Brad Smithson set this thing back up for me. 
uh, and and he joins us this evening on sport uh, a sports rep. How you fellas doing? Doing great. How are you? I got to imagine you're doing great. What a performance! Uh, talk to me about uh, uh, and congratulations on winning that thing. I mean, it was a, a tremendous performance. Talk to me about some of the trouble you had going down the stretch. And then, and then, kind of what it took for you uh, at the end to to push it to a playoff. Yeah, so a little bit of the trouble, just trying to get it done. I mean, it's yeah. never easy to win anything, um, especially a golf tournament, knowing the position that you're in. So, kind of going into 16, I had a pretty decent drive and was in fine position and hit a, in all honesty, a terrible second shot. And I ended up making six to go one down. Mm-hmm. And then 17 just made another very bad swing. I think the nerves kind of started to get to me a little bit um, and failed to get that one up and down. And then found myself two down sitting on 18T, which in all honesty was probably the most settled down that I had felt in like 45 minutes just because yeah. I kind of knew what I had to do. I mean, I knew I had to make a three and he had to make five to have a chance. So, I mean, standing on 18 T, it was kind of more settled down and then kind of just did my thing and stuck to my plan and ended up making three. To talk to me about that putt on 18, because it was, it was a, a, a fantastic putt. Yeah. So I had a, pretty decent iron shot in there and had like 20 or so feet. It was going down the hill, going a little from what I saw, it was going a little right and then um, going to fall back left. So I actually had a pretty similar putt in the practice round. So I think I had a pretty good idea of what it was going to do. And then I just kind of knew I had to pick a spot and then pick a speed to go with it. And I knew I was putting pretty well all week. So I knew I had a good chance, and it ended up going in. So, so what are you thinking when you're standing over the ball there on 18? You got a lot riding on this putt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying to force a playoff. What, what what goes through your mind? Are you just focused on the putt? Does anything else creep in? Um, for that one, not a whole lot. I mean, just good solid stroke and get it to the hole. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of about the only thing that was going through. Um, yeah. I knew that if it went in. And um, I would have a chance to force a playoff. So that was definitely going through my head, but I was just trying to pick a solid stroke yeah, and sure. solid line and try to make it. Uh, and and Gary, uh, Gary, his father, Gary Smithson, uh, uh, as a PGA pro, you've been in some of these situations before. Uh, what were, what was going through your mind, uh, as, as he's standing over the putt on 18 and we're going to bring in BC and, and Mike Fay from spin on golf here in just a second. But, but talk to me as just a spectator there, your son's in this, in this huge moment, you got a gallery around you. Uh, what's going through your mind? What are you thinking here as, as your son, you know, measures up this 20 footer on 18? Well, I, I was super proud of him for how he played and, you know, he made birdie on 15 and I just, you know, I was kind of like, well, you know, it's for, for, it's up to him to win or lose. And, um, he had a really nice tee shot on 16 and probably he maybe had a hundred or 115 yards to in 16 is a very difficult hole, but, um, yeah, he had, 
you know, he had a very good opportunity there and, you know, to, to his admission, didn't hit a very good wedge. And, um, you could tell it was, he was struggling because, you know, that was his first three putt of the week, which, um, you know, he, he made six from a hundred yards, which is very uncharacteristic of him. And, um, you know, at that point we were kind of like, well, you know, he's, if he can kind of get it on 17, which was playing super hard. I mean, it was probably 220 into a really tough wind. And yeah, um, he just, he missed it in a, just an absolute terrible spot. And, um, but really at the, you know, at the end of the day here, it's, 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 he came through in the moment that he needed to, not only in regulation, but then going into the playoff. It's so true. And, and BC uh, was, was up there. Uh, And I want him to kind of paint the picture uh, of this, of what ended up being a two hole playoff. Mike Faye also from spin on golf joins us. What's up fellas, Mike uh, or or BC paint this for me. Talk to me about what this, what this playoff was and, and kind of what, what uh, Brad was, was up against here. Well, uh, I mean, uh, when he made that putt in 18, it was like, God dang, this is like the old days. I mean, there's a lot of people around the green and, and, and I don't know if Gary heard the roar or, um, Bradley heard the roar, and uh, I got to call him by the real names. I never call him by the real names. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and it was cool. It was pretty loud. I don't know how it sounded on the putting green or on the green there, uh, Smitty. But uh, it was it was really cool and it was really exciting. It was in the playoff. The chipping was even more bizarre. I mean, it was it was like, is this really happening? I mean, I kept looking at John Seltzer. I'm like, well, this is how you win. This is yeah, what you so, got to do to win. I mean, so, this is what you have to do to win. So, so Brad, talk to me about uh, talk to me about you, you get you, you get to uh, a playoff with Wilkes Cryer and and you you go back and play eighteen. Walk me through what happened there at eighteen. Yeah, so I actually hit a, I would say a better drive than I hit in the actual uh, round, and it yeah. ended up staying in the rough, and I was kind of in between a couple clubs, and it was into the wind, so I kind of figured. The less club I didn't think was going to get there because I was going to have to launch it a little higher. So I tried to chip um, a seven iron and it ended up leaking a little left and got a little past the hole um, and long. So, and then Patrick had a really good shot in there, probably four or five feet. So I kind of knew I needed to chip in, in all honesty. Um, I kind of I saw both their chips on 18, him, um, Patrick, and Tyler's. So I kind of had an idea, I think, of what it was going to do, how it was going to release, stuff like that, um, and then just kind of tried to pick a line and pick a spot and hit it. Yeah, and and then then you sunk it. So Made you go it play easy. Yeah, Riley. You know, <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I I'm a little <laughs> offended. I got to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't uh, that easy? <laughs> yeah. uh, but I but you know I got this is for for a uh, for an average golfer or a well below average golfer like myself. It's the composure that that golfers have that you have in in a clutch moment. And that'll take you through. Then you go back and play 16 and you finish it off there. I got to say, it was a fantastic job. You played an absolutely wonderful tournament. Uh, I know you said you hadn't been playing some great, you you didn't think you'd been playing some, some great golf, your best golf leading up to, but you had a a great four days. So this sets up uh, the next, uh, a a part of your, uh, the next part of your year, I guess, where you got, you know, your junior season coming up. Talk to me about, 
uh, where you kind of see this going for you here? How, how does this spring for, springboard you into the future here? Yeah, it definitely um, gives me a lot of confidence going into the rest of the summer and then into the fall. Um, I was talking with Coach, and he was super proud of me and everything like that, but he was like, I want you to really think about this and kind of realize how good you are and realize that you can do it. Yeah. Um, he said a couple of the times talking my first two seasons at school, he's just like, it almost seems like you kind of lack that thought of how good you are. So yeah. kind of use that and use this win to kind of back that up and really sure. show everyone what you can do, I guess. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you going forward. I know you got uh, your your junior season coming up at Michigan State. So best of luck to you there. Um, you. And and believe me, we'll be keeping tra- uh, tabs on you there, Bradley. <laughs> uh, fantastic job. And Pops, hey, uh, happy Father's Day to you. What, what a nice little gift that was, eh? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Too bad. Nice I, bench uh, this week, Smitty. I really like that that seat you brought along. Yeah, it was, <laughs> uh, it was a little tough to watch down the stretch. Yeah. But you know what? It's hard to win, man. No doubt. Hey, congratulations to the both of you. We'll talk to you very soon, all right? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and real quick, uh, I want to bring Sean Belegian in here very quickly. Very, very quickly. Uh, Shawnee, hey, happy birthday to you, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, you and my son Jacob share a birthday. Who knew? Yeah, you so know what? Uh, that, that that kid, he, he doesn't have a tough act to follow, so I'm <laughs> sure he will surpass the, the lofty heights that I set out there. But yeah, happy, happy birthday Father's to your Day. boy as well. Thank you. Happy Father's Day to you. All right, you Spin too, on Golf coming up. Uh, stay tuned. We'll break it all down for you, what's going on out in uh, San Diego. Stay tuned. Uh, have a great rest of the week. We'll see you Saturday at 6 o'clock here on WJR Sports Wrap.